Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Missourian Pick and Roll podcast. My name is Reed Catellis, and I'm joined again by my partners, David Sack and Connor Worley. Our podcast is now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which is new. Go ahead and click on the links in the Missourian websites. You are listening to episode eight, and we will again be breaking down the past week of Mizzou hoops. But first, let's kick this off with our sign bite of the week. Our quote comes from Kevin Perrier after the Arkansas game on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, he's just a fearless kid. Um, you know, he's not scared of anybody. And that's what you love to see, especially in a freshman. Uh, Mizzou fans are definitely going to love, uh, you know, our freshman group. You know, they, they work so hard every single day. And they love this school. They have a passion for this school. And, you know, they're just all around good people. So Mizzou fans, they have a lot, a lot to look forward to. These are some uh, very special young men that we have here. Yeah, so that was Kevin Perrier mentioning the growth of the freshmen, which has been big, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's move on to our trivia question. Our trivia question is about Missouri's opponent Tuesday. The last time Kentucky did not make the NCAA tournament was in 2012. Who did they lose to in the the NIT that year? So we will reveal that later. But let's just go ahead and go over the past week. Uh, Missouri just finished a two-game homestand. The Tigers dropped kind of a disastrous game against Texas A&M on Saturday, but they, they rebounded by beating Arkansas in a thrilling finish on Tuesday. It's been kind of a con- confusing week as Missouri lost to one of the worst teams in the league, but then they beat a team that's probably better than them. What did you guys see? Well, I mean, uh, it was a good win for the Tigers on Tuesday against Arkansas, no question about it. Um, and I think the most important thing was that they they held on, they held their lead, they, they came close, they only won by a point, but they never squandered the lead in the second half. Yeah, that's been such a problem for them this season, not only in the A&M game, but uh, the first Tennessee game they played against LSU at home where they blew that at the last minute at, against Temple. So it was nice to see them, I guess not necessarily nice to see them blow the lead, but nice to see that they can hang on despite like falling into that pit again. Yeah, and I wrote this in my day after story, um, but you know when you see a horror movie at the movie theater and the film really just kind of terrifies you with moments that twist and turn your stomach, but you end up going and see, seeing it again anyway? Because you just want to experience that thrill for a second time. That's kind of what that game was like. I mean, Missouri led by 10 points at halftime. And even though they had a firm lead going into the second half, Arkansas kept chipping away that lead and they kept getting closer and closer. And then Arkansas had the ball down one with 10 seconds left. And it really just felt like, okay, here we go again. I'm furiously re- rewriting my gamer and panicking. But then they ended up getting a stop, and that was actually pretty surprising. I'll tell you, the one thing I do have to say, I'm, I'm not particularly impressed by Arkansas. Uh, they've won five SEC games. Four of them have come against the bottom four teams in the league. Although they're, you got to give them some credit. They did get a great win at LSU, and that is nothing but a great win. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you look at their box score. I mean, Daniel Gafford was unreal, twelve of seventeen from the field, twenty six points, and Isaiah Joe was very good with seventeen points, six of eleven from the field. But they just got nothing out of anyone else. I mean, nothing. I mean, Jalen Harris, six points, one of six shooting, and then Mason Jones. Did score 12 points, but he shot a very inefficient three for 10. He took that. That was him on the last shot, right? I mean, that was yeah, not, yeah. and that was not a good attempt at all. So, no. you know, I, I think, uh, I think Missouri did beat a flawed team, but nevertheless, it was a good win for them. I mean, yeah, if you didn't have any stake in that game, just watching Gafford and Tillman go at it from start to finish was, was like, fun. it was incredible. It's it just was. a fun matchup to watch. Like, they both, uh, like, never relented. They were, seemed to always be on it, and, uh, you know, Tillman got the upper hand in the game, but Gafford had the better individual stats. This is kind of miscellaneous, but I'm, I'm, I'm questionable about Daniel Gafford's prospects in the NBA because he really doesn't have an outside game, but I don't know if I've really seen a college basketball player dominate like the way he has I, as far as Missouri opponents go this season. He was really impressive, scored 20, 26 points in that game. 
And he even left in the first half with an injury and came back, and he he looked kind of hobbly. He definitely didn't look 100%, but he still was a huge. He still had a huge impact on that game. Yeah, I agree. I I also uh, don't know really about his NBA prospects. I mean, he'll obviously be a first round pick, probably yeah. a lottery pick. But as far as him being really successful, because you're right, he's got nothing outside of an at the rim game. I mean, he doesn't have mm-hmm. good two point jump shot, and he hasn't made a three in his in his college career. Um, but no doubt, I mean, he is a dominant, dominant presence around the rim in college basketball. I think he will be in the NBA, too. That is the one thing he'll never not be good at. Uh, I mean, it was incredible to watch him go back and forth with Tillman. Yeah, and, like, Missouri's played against, like, Admiral Schofield, and then LSU has a bunch of guys that should could be re- legitimate NBA prospects. But, yeah, Gafford seems like the most dominant against yeah. Missouri. Yeah. So now Missouri is 12-11, and 3-8 in the SEC. That loss to Arkansas could have dropped them to 11-12, and 12, which would have been the first time in the Conso Martin era that Missouri would have been under 500. So that would have been a dramatic loss, but the, luckily for them, they avoided it. Where does that leave them within the conference now? Well, I mean, as you'll, as you'll see in my postseason watch, which I wrote on Thursday, uh, you know, that, that win against Arkansas, it saved them. Uh, they, they still have very slim chances of making the NIT, but they're worth talking about only because they were able to beat Arkansas. If they were 11-12 and 12 right now with the stretch of games they have over. coming up, it would be over. Uh, so they, they have a chance to kind of pick themselves up, and that's only because they were able to hold on against Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, they got to win six of the next seven to finish with, oh, like a 500 record uh, and then went out to have a winning record in the conference. And, I mean, I just don't think any of us see that happening. No. So I think they'll probably finish with five wins in this conference uh, schedule and – if they're lucky, make the NIT, but I don't think that'll happen, especially if they only went two more. Yeah, they've got a lot of tough games coming up. That starts especially on Saturday. Over, with yeah, especially over the next week. Yeah. Um, so on Tuesday night after the game, Kevin Perrier was asked where he thought Tuesday's win over Arkansas ranked in the games he's won in his career, and he kind of <laughs> laughed at that and said not at all. He but, wasn't the only one laughing. Right. But where does this win rank in terms of Missouri wins this season? It's got to be kind of up there, right? Yes and no. I mean, I think it's up there because of how badly they just needed it right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think for that reason, yes, it's up there. But, I mean, you know, uh, the reality is Arkansas is not that good. Um, I don't have their net ranking off the top of my head. They're, I believe, 62, I want to say. It's not an overly impressive win, you know, in of itself. But, like I said, yes, context matters a lot. I mean, just looking at the wins they have, it's not really a who's who of opponents. So, I mean, just to, like, go into the semantics of it, I mean, I guess you'd say either the Bragg and Rights game against Illinois or, UCF, or right. the your early game against UCF yeah. would be the top wins, if not Arkansas. So I'd say Arkansas is top three. Yeah, this is amazing, actually, an amazing thing I, I found when I was doing Tigers postseason watch, and I think it actually speaks to a flaw in the net rankings and how much emphasis is put on home and away. But believe it or not, Missouri's best win according to net is at Texas A&M. Their hmm. worst loss, according to Net, is at home against Texas A&M. I don't quite understand how your best win and your worst loss can be same against team. the same team. It just Especially shows when you that team's not good, right? Ex- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It show it shows you how much emphasis they put on home and away. Right. So let's go ahead and move on to our stud and dud from the past week. Our stud is the assist to turnover ratio. Now, in both in, in both of the past two games against Texas A&M and Arkansas, Missouri recorded 14 assists in both games. In the Arkansas game, they only turned the ball over 11 times. And against Texas A&M, they did, they did turn it over 13 times, but they still had more assists than, than turnovers. And for a team that, that averages 11.2 assists per game, that's really been a positive development. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the turnovers were such a problem early in the season and going into the middle of the season. It's nice that they've cleaned them up. And I guess that's just been a point of emphasis in practice because I don't really know if there's anything they're specifically doing on offense, like scheme-wise or rotations that they're putting in that's like a clear indication of why the turnovers have gone down, but it's nice to see it. Yeah, and I think it's certainly, and this is no surprise, it starts with Missouri's two point guards, Jordan Geist and Xavier Pinson. I mean, mm-hmm. Pinson especially, even though he did have three turnovers against Arkansas on Tuesday, um, he's really been stepping it up, taking command of the offense, uh, making smarter decisions with the ball, and it's, 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 it's helped the offense greatly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I forget when exactly this was on Tuesday, but it was, it was late in the Arkansas game. And the game was stressful at that point. And, and Pinson and Geis were both in the game. And they were in half-court set, and Pinson had the ball. And it was near the Arkansas bench, and he was just kind of dribbling, reading the defense. And then Geis ran over, like, and wanted the ball, and then Pinson just waved him off. And then Geis ran to the corner, basically saying, okay, yeah, this is, this is your play. This is your offense to run right now. And that was kind of a crazy thing to see, how, how, how much trust he's earned and how he's, kind of, and how he's come to earn it. No question. I mean, and he, he was riding the bench a few games ago, and now yeah. all of a sudden we're seeing him get 30 minutes against Arkansas and 28 against Texas A&M. You know, he's, he's in the rotation. Those are all productive minutes, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, I don't feel like he's really wasted his opportunities last few games. And like I told you guys before uh, we started here, I think he's got the highest ceiling of all these freshmen. Yeah, I mean, on Saturday against A&M, six assists and one turnover. Jordan Geist, four assists and one turnover. I mean, that's a revelation for this team to see numbers like that. Yeah. So our dud from the past week is going to be blown leads. Um, on the Saturday loss to, to the Aggies, Missouri led by nine points at halftime and even extended their lead to 12 points at one point. They led the game for 31 minutes, and then they ended up losing by 11 points, which is, again, just disastrous, and that might have been the worst loss in this season. And then again, on Tuesday, even though they won the game, Missouri led by 10 points at halftime, and they never surrendered the lead. They, they still led for the majority of the game, and Arkansas never came to actually take the lead, even though they came within one point. Nonetheless, it was still a blown lead when it really that should have been a comfortable win after halftime. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been a problem for them as of late, no question. And, I mean, you know, in the Texas A&M game, even though their depth was further depleted with Tillman being out, you know, in a game where you lead for 31 and a half minutes, you just you got to find a way to hang on, especially against a lesser opponent at home. Yeah, I, I think it's just something that this team probably won't be able to over, uh, overcome, uh, even as we get toward the end of the season. It's been yeah. happening the whole season, like at least half of their games. I'd say they've blown a lead of some kind, at least like mm-hmm. six plus or something late. And uh, it's just it's frustrating to see to watch uh, every single game, but I'm sure it's even more frustrating for the players and coaches. No, no question. <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead and take a look over the next week. On Saturday, the Tigers head to Oxford, Mississippi, to take on Ole Miss, one of the SEC's better teams. The Rebels are fourth in the SEC at seven and four, and are winners of three straight. Then the Tigers return home for a matchup with number five uh, Kentucky, which is obviously an elite team. But it is coming off a crazy loss at home to LSU. Now, Mark Smith, as we all know, has been out for six games now. But Conzo Martin has expressed confidence that he will return Saturday at Ole Miss. How much does he help getting your three-point marksman back? Well, we shall see. I mean, you would think that it, it would help a lot. I mean, you'd think that. But it's funny, Missouri actually in SEC games without Mark Smith this year is Two and four with him, they're one and five. So, Mark Smith being there, even though with the eye test, it clearly makes them a better offensive team. They they don't score more points, 
and they don't win more games with him. So we'll see. But at the end of the day, I, I do think it'll help. Well, mm. that and I think you just have to consider like how up to speed he's going to be and like yeah. if how what his conditioning is going to be like. Because I can yeah. imagine he's been practicing a lot even if he plays Saturday. So I don't think he'll just be able to step back in and contribute like he has before. Yeah. And that was a you mentioned that stat that Missouri hasn't been worse with him out, and I think that just could be a result. Or that just could be because Mark Smith is a byproduct of Missouri's offense. You know, he. No, I know. I get what you're saying, but like, it's he's he's not really creating his own shot. I right. think like you're not seeing him take on a defender in ISO situations no. or like get his dribble going and like uh, try to get some move someone out of the way and like get a step on them and get to the rim. It just seems to be like a lot of a result of like picking and rolling. And then, like, everyone just moving the ball around, and then he gets the ball at the top of the key and just shoots it, and it goes in. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a lot of forced opportunities and not many, like, created opportunities. And for the Tigers to win on Saturday at Ole Miss, you know, they're certainly going to need Mark Smith to make a huge and positive impact for him. I mean, Ole Miss is a very tough team. It's going to be a very tough place to win on the road. And I was really impressed with Ole Miss and what they did on Wednesday and their win at Auburn. I mean, they went in there. They took care of business. They played really tough zone defense. Um, and I, I think Missouri, it's it's going to be tough, but they're going to they're gonna have to find a way to win because they certainly can't afford a two-game losing streak right now. They can't afford to fall below 500 if they're going to make the NIT. And it's going to be very tough for them to beat Kentucky no matter where the game is. I think this is the more winnable game uh, here on Saturday, and then you can worry about Tuesday on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the three of their next four away games are at Ole Miss, at Florida, at Mississippi State. Those are all going to be tough, I think, just because of like the quality of teams they're playing and the the distance traveled. So they need to get two of those road wins and then the road game later in the year at Georgia if they no want doubt. like any chance to get postseason play. Yeah, the, the I can tell you right now, no matter what happens in their other games, the the road game at Georgia is going to be a must win for them to make the NIT. Oh yeah, yeah. You mentioned Ole Miss's win over Auburn. They held Auburn to fifty five points, which is impressive because, as you all probably remember, Auburn handed Missouri. It's worst loss in the Conzo Martin era, and that's just a good offense with um, Bryce Brown and Jared Harper. Yeah. So the Ole Miss is definitely going to be a tough game, and if we're if we're talking NIT, I don't think anyone expects Missouri to beat Kentucky. But if they lose to Ole Miss, can they still make it if they lose both of these games over the next week? They lose both of them. I mean, I they'd almost so. certainly would have to win out, and even then, yeah. that's probably not likely just because of the rest of their schedule. They've lost against pretty much all good teams and only beaten teams that are like worse in net rating than them. So I can't see why they would get in. Yeah, I mean, it's like I've been saying all year. I mean, they've certainly held up the end of the bargain where they've lost some games that they should have won, and you know now it's time for Missouri to win some games that they're not supposed to. That's what these games are. They're going to be underdogs without question at Ole Miss and at home against Kentucky. Yeah. But they just they, they have to find a way to win one. I will say in the very extreme and rare chance that they get both of these wins over the next week, I think it would put them in good position for the yes, next oh, yeah. yes, I think that would be a lock. Yes, I mean it can. That's the thing with the NIT; it does not take a lot to make the NIT. Things can shift and turn very quickly. And you're right; if they win these two games, all of a sudden the three games over 500, they have two quality wins. You know, they're probably right there, and they just got to take care of business. So, yeah. you know, that's the thing. <laughs> okay, we're going to go ahead and answer our trivia question. We asked, who did Kentucky lose to in the NIT the last time they didn't make the NCAA tournament in 2012? Kentucky lost to the eight seed Robert Morris in the first round of the NIT in 2013. Yeah, those Robert Morris Colonials were your Northeast Conference regular season champions that year. <laughs> 
Okay, we're going to go ahead and sign off. Um, look for our coverage of the Ole Miss and Kentucky games and also look for our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back next Friday.